You are listening to a message from Treeline Church, a life-giving church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. If you are in the Pittsburgh region, we would love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out treeline.church for times and location. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Thanks, Garrett. Don't you guys appreciate Garrett so much? Yeah, I love Garrett. So thankful for everyone using their gifts and their abilities on the tech team and the worship team, hospitality, serving our kids. It's just amazing to see what happens when people come together and God's used all of our unique gifts and abilities and skill sets and passions to do something amazing. And that's what we want to be all about here at Treeline. And you have an opportunity to jump in and be a part of that, maybe discover a little bit of how you're gifted and how you're shaped. Maybe the thought of being in front of everyone playing guitar makes you want to throw up a little bit and you're like, well, maybe that's not what God's gifted me and shaped me to do. Um, but we have something called growth track where you can come check that out, figure out how God shaped you, find some of the things that you're passionate about, maybe even discover and try some different things on how God has used, created you to use you to make a difference in someone else's life. So just encourage you to check that out if you're interested at all. So today we are wrapping up a series called Playlist, and you just heard Garrett sing a song for us. And I, I want to focus in on these lyrics for just a moment. And what we're doing is we're taking popular music or songs that you've probably heard before. Anyone heard that song before? It's kind of a popular one. It's kind of a standard. A lot of people know that one. And so what we've been doing is something similar to what Jesus did in his time. Jesus would teach using something called parables, which were stories that were culturally relevant. So people, when they heard the story, it wasn't just a story for the, you know, they would hear it for the the first time, but it had some kind of an element, some kind of cultural truth at the time that they could relate to. So they could relate to the story that he was telling and they could understand what he was trying to teach them. So in the same way, we're taking a look at lyrics from some songs and we're pulling some biblical truths, some spiritual truths from these songs and helping us understand some things that God wants to teach us, some things that Jesus wants us to know. So today we did the song Yesterday by the Beatles, which is kind of, they're kind of a big deal, right? There's, they're, they're kind of a big deal. Maybe you've heard a few Beatles songs before. But I wanted to read through these lyrics real quick. And it said, Yesterday, all my troubles seem so far away. Now it looks as though they're here to stay. Oh, I believe in yesterday. Suddenly, I'm not the half the man I used to be. There's a shadow hanging over me. Oh, yesterday came suddenly. And then it says, Why she had to go, I don't know. She wouldn't say. I said something wrong. Now I long for yesterday. See, for me, this is a song that's all about regret, that he said something wrong, he did something, he doesn't quite know what happened, but now he feels alone, he's half the man that he used to be, and so he's alone, he's no longer in this relationship, whatever happened, not exactly sure what happened, but just feeling regret, and I don't know if you've ever felt a sense of regret before in something in your life, and really, I think if you could check your pulse right now, and if you have a heartbeat, the answer is yes, right, we've all done things we regret, we all have things from our past that we wish we could change, we all have things that maybe we've messed up ourselves, or maybe something that we've had done to us or something that we wish we could go back and change. We all face regret. We all do things that maybe we wish we could go back and change. And I know I have felt this way so many times in my life where there are things where I just feel like I messed something up or you wish you just had that mulligan, right? You just wish you had that do-over, right? You just, just hit the reset button. Like, I just totally messed that up. I wish I could, you maybe even just saying some things that you regret. You know, have you ever heard someone say maybe you would like a little ketchup on your foot, right? Because you're putting your foot in your mouth all the time and you regret some of the things that you say. We all face Regret is a part of life because here's the thing, none of us are perfect. 
We all make mistakes. We're all fallible. We, we were, none of us are going to get everything right every single time. And so as such, we're going to live life feeling like we wish we could go back and redo some things. And maybe you face some things where we talk about some light things, but maybe there's some really serious and some heavy things that you wish you could change. It's really interesting, um, all the way back in 1997, which was quite some time ago, there was this magazine, and the editor was rushing it to get it printed, and he had a couple of spaces in the, per in the ads that he didn't have filled. He didn't fill up all of the ads in the classifieds. So he had a couple friends of his that he would have just make up stuff and put them in the classified ads, and they would run them with all the regular classifieds just, you know, because he needed to fill the space. So this is what happened in 1997. Same thing happened. He had a couple spaces, and so this is the ad that he put in. You could put it up on the screen. You could see it. I, I blew it up a little bit so you could see the actual text below. But this is the ad they put in the magazine. Wanted. Somebody to go back in time with me. This is not a joke. And then it has an actual P.O. box there in California where you can send the letter to because 97, remember, there's not a lot of internet then. You'll get paid after we get back. Must bring your own weapons. I love that. Safety not guaranteed. I have only done this once before. And so this is a true story. This happened in 97. They, they, they had space for two ads. They had one where he, you know, basically looking for, you know, he was lonely, looking for love, one of those ads. And then they ran this one saying, I'm going back to time travel. Now, this is what's really amazing about this is that some people saw it as a joke and they got it and they wrote it and had fun with it. But the guy, the editor, could not believe for years and years and years and years how many letters got written to this P.O box of people who really wanted to take him up on this offer. Now, we know time travel is not possible, but here's the letters that he would get over and over again, people saying things like, I wish I could go back and change this, or I did something really painful to somebody that I now really regret, or I had to go through something really difficult, and I wish I could go and save myself from that, or I watched someone I love go through something really difficult, and I wish I could go back and save them from that difficulty. And so he got letters like this over and over and over again to the point where he's like, man, maybe we were really onto something and recognize the human condition. People just regret a whole lot. I don't know if you've ever felt that way before. You even think about, if you had a time machine, what would you go back and change? I mean, we know time travel is not possible, but let's just be honest. If people talk about time traveling, people don't want to go back and see the dinosaurs. They don't want to travel back and see the Roman civilization. Right? They don't want to go see all the, people just want to go back and change something, right? I mean, even the time travel movies, they, they have the whole history open to them. And what do they do? They want to go back and fix things that they perceive as being broken. And so if you're someone to ask you that question, maybe right away you know what it is. Right away you just zoom right to that one thing. You could just, we could just go back and change that one thing or someone that you really cared about was in a terrible accident or someone you knew was sick or someone you didn't get a chance to say goodbye to a relationship that you kind of didn't do your best and you wish you could go back and change the things that you said and the way that you reacted to someone or maybe whatever it was, you just wish you could go back and change that. I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but it would be pretty amazing, right, to have that time machine and just zap back there and just get that redo and just undo something that maybe you did that was just terrible. Maybe that's just me, how I think. But the reality is that we all have things that we regret. We all have things that we wish we could go back and change. Now, here's the good news in all of this. We don't need a time machine because if you've said yes to a relationship with Jesus, if you're pursuing a relationship with God, we don't need a time machine because he has given us a way that we can deal with regret. 
And it doesn't have to be something that has power over us. It doesn't have to be something that we have to live with the weight of it. It's something that when we understand, when we come to a relationship with Jesus, and we talked about this in the series, that Jesus came to give us a completely brand new life. And part of that is dealing with maybe some of the regrets and some of the pains from the past that we still feel or that we still carry. So I want to take a look at three verses for us today on how we can deal with regret. And the first one is Romans 8.1, and it says this, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. See, many times when we come to a relationship with Jesus, we say yes to following him. We say yes to that brand new life that he gives us. See, many times we still carry the guilt and the shame from our past. Maybe it's a sin pattern or something that you did that you're not very proud of, or you feel something that's just been so hard to overcome, and you feel the shame, you feel the weight of it. And even though you know in your head, and you try to understand in your heart that Jesus loves you, and that he forgives you, and he doesn't hold it against you, see, this verse really tells us that there is no condemnation. What is it? He doesn't condemn us. He doesn't hold it against us. So we don't have to carry the guilt and the regret of the things that we've done in the past. The story is, the way it goes, we're all going to mess up. And I'm sure many of us have stories, as I do myself, that before we came to Jesus, maybe now you are a totally different person and you've been able to overcome some of those difficulties or some of those things that you really struggled with in your past. But maybe from time to time, you still feel the weight of that. You still feel the guilt. You feel condemned in some way. And maybe even it distances you from your relationship with God because how could God truly accept and forgive someone who did such terrible things? But we're reminded in this verse that Jesus doesn't condemn us. Matter of fact, there's a story in John 8 of a woman who was living in sin. And this is an amazing story about Jesus. And there was this woman who was actually caught in the act of sin. And so I'm going to read it for you. It won't be on the screen, but I can, I'm going to read it for you. John 8, starting with verse 1. It says, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. Sounds delicious. But early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. Boy, I bet that was kind of fun, huh? No, no awkwardness there. Um, caught in the act of adultery, and they put her in front of the crowd. And they say to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses, so they're quoting scripture, says that we should stone her. What do you say? So they catch this woman in the act of sin, doing something that was very much against the law, what they, at that time, which would have been their scripture, what they were supposed to be living by. And so they're quoting scripture to Jesus saying, hey, it says we should stone her to death for what she's doing. What, what do you say? And this is what Jesus says. They were, they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. I love this. Jesus just stooped down and he wrote in the dust with his finger, but they kept demanding an answer. And so he stood up again and he said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. See, this is the heart of our heavenly father. This is who Jesus is. 
See, that when the world wants to catch us doing wrong, and maybe even the things that we do to ourselves, or the things, even if it was a mess up, I mean, this woman clearly was living in sin. She clearly was doing something wrong. She was clearly going against the way that God wanted to live her life. And probably did deserve the judgment that she was getting called out for, even though they're trying to trip Jesus up. But Jesus is all about grace, and he's all about forgiveness. And so he does something unthinkable. He just tells all of them, hey, you know what? That's fine. But if none of you have ever messed up, if none of you have ever done anything wrong, then you go ahead and pick up the first rock and you throw it at her. And they all just slip away. Why? Because they realize that none of us are perfect. And that's the wonderful thing about God's grace is that every single one of us need it. None of us deserve it, but we all need it. That woman didn't deserve Jesus' grace that day, but he gave it. So we got to understand that Romans 8, 1, that there is no condemnation, that whatever we've done in our past, whatever sin that we feel the guilt or the shame or the weight from, or even something that we're going through now that we're working through and we need God's forgiveness, that we can understand that it doesn't change the way that God loves us. There's nothing you can do to make him love you less There's nothing you can do to make him care for you less, that he loves you and that he is for you and that there is no condemnation. He doesn't think you're a terrible person. So Romans 8.1 is the first way that we deal with the regret that we're facing. The second one comes in Philippians 3.13 and 14. And it says this, But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now to really understand how powerful this is, you gotta understand the person who wrote these words. These were written by a guy guy named Paul who we've talked about several times before. And so what you gotta understand about Paul is yes, he was this amazing man of God. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. So the books, two-thirds of the New Testament books in the Bible, Paul wrote those. God used him in amazing ways. He traveled all over, all over the place starting churches and telling people about the goodness of God and the faithfulness of Jesus and just did amazing exploits for God. Matter of fact, people look at Paul and are just so amazed by the persecution that he took and this being shipwrecked and being snake bitten and being jailed over and over again and all the tough things they need to go through just to promote Jesus. But see, as he wrote these words, what you've got to understand is that Paul had an opportunity to live with a whole lot of regret. See, before Paul had his conversion, before he gave his life to Christ, before he truly surrendered to God's call in his life, Paul was a pretty terrible person just being honest, and Paul would be the first to admit it. He was a really terrible person. Why was he a terrible person? Because he pretty much hunted Christians. It was his job. He was trying to kill the early work of the church. He was trying to stop this Jesus movement. They were trying to stop it. They didn't want it to go on. It was a terrible thing to them. The religious leaders at the time would do anything to stop this news from getting out of who Jesus was and how he changed his lives and how he was the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he can change your life forever if you just surrender it to him. It changed the game completely, and so Paul was on the other side side of that, trying to kill Christians. Matter of fact, he was at the stoning of Stephen, where they, someone who was beloved in the early church, he was there when they killed him, witnessed it, was a part of it. See, he, this is someone who would have an opportunity to live with a whole lot of regrets, a whole lot of pain of, man, if Paul could have a time machine, you can guarantee he would go back and he would change a lot of things about the way he did people wrong and the way he persecuted people and the way he hurt people. But I love what he says here in Philippians 3.13, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. 
See, it's really easy when we live in regret and maybe even like the lyrics of those songs say that we long for yesterday, we wish we could go back. See, it's not about living in the past anymore. It's understanding that Christ did to come give you a brand new life and that we don't have to live regret with regret and we don't focus on the things that happened in the past, but we strain forward to what lies ahead. And I love what he says, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. See, Paul had a decision to make. He could have wallowed in his regret. He could have said, there's no way God could use someone like me. He could have said, there's no way I could overcome the guilt and the shame and what I did. And how can I possibly go and teach these people and lead these people and point these people towards Jesus when they know what I did, when they know my reputation, when they know what I'm capable of? How could God ever possibly forgive me, let alone use me? But I love what he says, pressing on towards the prize of the call of God in Jesus Christ, that when we understand that we don't have to focus on the past, we don't have to live where we once were, but when we strive forward that we're doing and living life the way that God wanted us to live. See, Paul recognized that God had a call on his life. And we look at it and be like, well, that's nice. That's nice that God had a call on Paul's life. And he did some pretty amazing things. But here's the thing I want you to get today. That regret will hold you back from doing the things that God has called you to do. And see, God may never call us like Paul to write books of the Bible. He might never call us to do amazing things like traveling all over the known world and starting churches. But see, God has something inside of each and every one of us to do. That God has placed giftings, abilities inside of you to use. And when you understand that and you begin pressing towards that, and you begin chasing after the life that God has called you to live, you will no longer live and face those regrets, but you will begin to move forward. See, so much of regret is learning to not live in the past anymore. And I know it's hard because sometimes when we do things or we've been through things or we've, do something, we've been through some experience that we regret, it's like it's just on loop over and over again. You feel like you're going to take that moment and you just hear the enemy whisper, you, you think you're going to get ahead? You think you're going to get over this? Everyone knows who you are. Everyone knows what you did. But then you've got to just start remembering and just tell Satan in the middle of it, you know what? There is no condemnation. Romans 8.1, Jesus told me that I don't have to live with this guilt. He doesn't think I'm a bad person anymore. And so we press forward instead of living in the past, instead of living in the shame, pressing forward, living a life for Christ, focusing on our relationship with him, living in that space instead of constantly living in that regret over and over again. The last verse that we're going to take a look at today as we talk about dealing with regret is Romans 8.28. And this is a pretty popular Bible verse, and, and maybe you've heard this before. And, and matter of fact, there, there's a, um, a TV show that just started this, this last season called Manifest. I don't know if you saw it or not. Um, but it, it's a show um, about people who were flying on an airplane, and the airplane disappeared for years. And then all of a sudden reappears, and nobody aged a bit. And matter of fact, like on the, in the show, there were like twins, and one of the twins was on the flight, and the other one wasn't. So when they get back, they're twins like all grown up, and they're still a little kid. So, you know, one of those like sci-fi TV shows. You probably never heard of it before. The interesting thing is, is the flight was called Flight 828. And they make all of these scriptural references in it to this verse, Romans 8:28. Matter of fact, when they get back, there's like this throw pillow on the mom's couch, and it has like Romans 8:28. Like, you know, on the pillow and everything. And so it's really interesting. And I love this verse, and it's a pretty popular one, but I think this is something that really helps us when we're talking about dealing with regret. And we know that those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. That we know all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. 
See, when we really begin to understand and we really begin to live this verse and we really it comes alive to us, see, we understand that no matter what we have done, no matter what has been done to us, no matter what failure, no matter what fault, no matter what label, no matter what people think about us, no matter what people say about us, no matter the way we perceive ourselves, no matter what we've done, that we think that we have screwed up the situation so bad, you've got to understand Romans 8.28 comes into play. That no matter what has happened, no matter what I regret from my past, that those of us who love God, God works it together for good. And I know that's something that becomes so difficult and people, it's such a stretch to be like, well, how could God possibly use this situation? This is something that is so terrible that happened. And see, what we got to understand today, and if you don't catch anything else today, catch this, that our God of redemption is always greater than any regret that we will face. God's redemption is always greater than the regret that we will feel. See, we serve a God who specializes in redemption. He takes stories, he takes situations that are unthinkable, that anything possibly good could come from it. I mean, can you even imagine, just think back to Bible times when they were walking and living and doing life with Jesus, and then he gets killed and crucified on the cross and thinking, there is no way, how could anything good come from this? But it just shows who God is and what he does. He takes situations and he redeems them. It's all throughout the Bible, over and over and over again. He takes a situation where someone messes up, where someone fails, where someone drops the ball, when someone does the unthinkable, when someone has something done to them that just seems like there's no way they could ever come through the other side of this. But over and over again, God writes the story of redemption. And I don't know what the regret is that you face today. I don't know what it is from your past that you may have been dealing with. I don't know what pain in a relationship or, or a sin or something that you feel that was done wrong against you. Whatever it is, whatever the regret that you feel, whatever it is that you wish you could go back and change. See, we don't have a time machine, but we do have a God who specializes in redemption. We do have a God that can take any situation and work it together for good. And it might not feel like it, and there might not seem like there's any way, but you've got to hear me say today that there is a God who works together, who is greater than any regret that you have. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come to you today. And Lord, we know that as imperfect people that we're going to drop the ball, that we're going to make mistakes. We're going to do things that are hurtful to others. We're going to do things that are hurtful to ourselves. We're going to do things flat out that maybe sometimes just surprise us that we're capable of those things. But God, whatever it is, God, whatever it is from our past today, whatever it is the regret that we are carrying, whatever, whoever is here today, Lord, whoever is hearing this message, Lord, is carrying that regret, Lord, I pray today that this would become, this would become a moment, Lord, where that line was drawn in the sand and say, I'm not going to carry the weight of this regret. I'm not going to carry the weight of this shame. And even today that they begin to take it and lay it down at the feet of Jesus, Lord. That you said in your word to cast all of our cares on you because you care about us. So God, I just pray today that people would just feel the weight of that regret. They would just feel that weight come off their chest, feel that weight come off their shoulders, feel the weight of that thing that they've been dragging around, carrying around that regret everywhere they go maybe even affecting the relationships, maybe even affecting the quality of life. God, whatever it is, Lord, I pray that today we would begin to understand that we do not have to live in regret, 
because you said in your word, there is, when we said yes to relationship with you, there is now no more condemnation. You don't hold it against us. You have forgiven us. You've washed us. You've made us new. We are clean. We are pure before you. We don't have to hold on to it anymore. We don't have to live under those lies. We don't have to live under the labels that maybe we even created for ourselves. But God, that we are a new creation and there's no guilt, no condemnation. I pray that today, God, that people would feel that condemnation breaking off of them today. Feel that gateway feel those chains coming off, Lord. God, I just pray that we would remember, Lord, that you are a God of redemption. God, and that you work everything for those who love you for good. And God, I know that that feels impossible. And maybe today people were even saying, but Brian, you don't know the situation. You don't know how difficult. There, there is no redemptive quality to this. And God is saying, just give it to me, bring it to me. Come to me with it, lay it at my feet, call out to me. Yes, you've messed up. Yes, there may be consequences for that mess up, for that sin, whatever it is, but that God still wants to redeem it. He still wants to work it together for good. He still wants to use your life. He still has a plan for you and that it is good and that he loves you, and that he is for you, that he's not against you. That we serve a God whose redemption is always greater than our regrets. We thank you. Today, while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, we want to give you the opportunity, maybe for the first time, to say yes to relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're here and you've never said yes to relationship with him. You've never fully surrendered. Maybe you're still feeling the weight of those regret and that shame because you're still dealing with it because you've never given it to Jesus. But Jesus promises us a brand new life and that when we say yes to him, something amazing happens. All of our past is erased. Everything that we've done, everything that we dealt with, he no longer holds it against us, but he's here to give us a new life. And he wants to lift all of that garbage and all that junk off of you. He wants you to experience the life that only comes to saying yes to relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you said that prayer at one time. You were living for Christ, but life just began to happen. Maybe you just got too busy. Maybe you slipped away. Or maybe the regrets and the pain from the past began to begin too much. And you thought, man, God, I, I think you love me, but I just can't deal with this pressure anymore. Whatever the situation, whatever the circumstance, we want to give you the opportunity to say yes to relationship with Jesus. So if that's you today, we're going to ask you to do something brave. Just slip your hand up while no one's looking around. Awesome. Is there anyone else? All right, we're going to pray out loud together. And whether you raised your hand or you should, everyone together, let's repeat this prayer out loud together so no one prays alone. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for giving your life for me. Come into my heart. Make me new. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you all of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we cheer for those who made a decision to come to Jesus today? Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at treeline.church or on social media. Our mission is to see family trees changed by a lifelong relationship with Jesus. We hope you can listen or join us next week.